This is the sermon text for today. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I, ha- that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. First of all, a disclaimer. My voice doesn't always sound like this, uh, but God has seen fit uh, to inflict my vocal cords a little bit this weekend. I preached yesterday for a wedding uh, outside with 140 people with uh, no microphone, uh, and so I might have stretched it a little far there. Uh, If it goes out here, you'll know what I I mean. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Text for this morning that Pastor Sam has just read to us from John chapter 3. So I was thinking as I got ready this morning, Tig, it was 25 years ago when you had graduated from seminary that I flew to Wichita, Kansas, um, and I think your dad came and picked me up at the airport and I preached for your ordination. I looked for that sermon, but I couldn't find it. But I'm sure you remember everything that I told you then. Three and a half years ago, we interviewed candidates for a pastor's position here at St. Luke's. And in the back of our minds in that interview was today. Might this pastor that we were calling to be the next pastor at St. Luke's actually be the person that God would lead 
into the senior pastor role. And you and I had that conversation with this clarity that there were no promises or any guarantees that this day would actually happen. Now, in order to seek God's direction for the call to be senior pastor, a committee engaged in a rigorous evaluation of Pastor Tig. He was asked to respond in writing to questions regarding the core competencies for the office of senior pastor. He was asked to write a summary of his vision for St. Luke's over the next five to seven years. He was subjected to an outside consultant guided 360 degree evaluation by 28 individuals at all levels of this congregation, including myself, other staff members, lay leaders, and members in the pew. And then with all that information in front of us, with a bright light shining in his eyes, we thoroughly interrogated Tig in a live interview. Okay, there wasn't a bright light. <laughs> then we presented our findings to the voters' assembly. We prayed. We asked God to guide us in deciding whether to call Pastor Tig to be senior pastor, and an overwhelming majority voted yes. And then, as is our custom in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, we asked for a second motion to make that vote unanimous, demonstrating that we would all now support the will of the majority, and it was so. In preparing for today, the question came up of whether to step out of our Lenten series, The Way of the Cross, was discussed. That is, should we make this a separate standalone service with different readings and different songs that were all focused on the calling and installing of a pastor, or should we stay with the assigned readings and the songs for the second Sunday in Lent? And when I talked to Tigan about that, we both agreed that this account of Jesus' visit with Nicodemus was oddly and perhaps even divinely appropriate for today. Now, whether I can pull it off or not will remain to be seen. But it occurred to me that we might look at applying this text as the final step in your becoming the senior pastor of St. Luke's Lutheran Church and School. In our text, Nicodemus came, you might say, to interview Jesus, to see whether or not he had or did not have what Nicodemus thought it would take to be the Christ, to be the Messiah, to be the one promised since the Garden of Eden and all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 to make the world right again, to usher in the kingdom of God, only to discover that it would be Nicodemus who was being interviewed by Jesus not the other way around. And so I wondered, can we be faithful to this text and yet translate it into what's happening here today, which of course is the task of every sermon every Sunday? So Tig, I'd like for you to imagine yourself this morning coming to Jesus, perhaps expecting to have a little chat with him about our updated mission statement, 
awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ and the life marks and the goals that we have set as the sign or the signal that every person who comes into contact with us will experience in their life a life of freedom, a life of joy, a life of sacrifice, and a life of renewal. Now, the Pharisees were a reform movement within the nation of Israel. They were seeking to bring that nation back to the right worship of God and to right living according to the word of God received by Moses and the prophets. Nicodemus, we read, was a a ruler of the Jews, meaning that he was probably one of the 70 elders who led the nation that was currently under Roman domination. And these men were very wary of any Messiah figures who might stir up the people and bring down the wrath of Rome. Nicodemus will eventually stand apart from his peers, defending Jesus before them and bringing their jeers. Oh, Nicodemus, are you also from Galilee? Which, by the way, wasn't a compliment. And finally then, at the end of John's gospel, being the one who assisted Joseph of Arimathea in taking Jesus' body down from the cross and burying him. So, Tiget, it has seemed to me over the years that much of the current conservative American Christianity has much in common with these Pharisees. We want people to come back to the true worship of God and to obedience to God's word in their lives. We are appalled at the decay of our culture and our way of life. We have imagined that collaboration with political power is necessary in order to achieve our goal. And our preaching and our teaching has led many to self-righteous judgmentalism a holier-than-thou condescension and angry, rigid attitudes toward those who dare refuse to listen to us. That Nicodemus came to Jesus at night has at least two points of significance. The first one is it was physically dark outside. Probably he did not want to be seen talking to this upstart rabbi. But secondly... In John's gospel, darkness is a spiritual metaphor. Nicodemus was in the dark about who Jesus was and what he came to to do. And of course, that's true of every one of us. Living in a, a fallen, broken, sinful world, look, we all have dark places in our understanding, in our being fully and completely awakened to the power of life in Christ. And so, Tig, it's important as you step into this role at St. Luke's that you are continuously aware of those places, not only in yourself, but also in the lives of the people that we serve. 
Whether that darkness is the little Pharisee that lives in each one of us, taking ourselves way too seriously, or the twisted opposite where we imagine that it's oh so pious and humble to think too little of ourselves. Today, this morning, Ty gets come to Jesus time. <laughs> now, it's almost as if Jesus didn't hear Nicodemus' opening line, in which he didn't exactly ask Jesus a question, but was certainly fishing for, for something like, who exactly are you then? Look, in the verses just before our text, Jesus had said that he did not need man's testimony about man because he, in fact, knows the heart. He, in fact, knew all men. And because he already knows Nicodemus's heart and yours and mine, he cuts to the chase. Jesus knows you all the way back to your mother's womb. He knows all the dark places that you've been. He knows your past 25 years of ministry. He knows about your doctorate degree from Concordia University in Portland in transformational leadership. He knows about our strategic plan to develop our worship gatherings and our spiritual formation groups and our community connections to awaken hearts. He knows all of our current staffing levels and our budgets. And he says, that's all well and good. But what's critically important is that you be born again. That you and I and every person listening to these words of Jesus be continuously transformed to receive a clean heart and a new and a right spirit within us. Jesus wasn't inventing something new here. God had already spoken these words through Ezekiel the prophet 600 years before Jesus when the nation of Israel had crumbled and had been carried off into captivity in Babylon. Here's what God said through Ezekiel. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all of your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put it within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you. And I will cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey the rules, my rules. Tag, the Holy Spirit promises to be there cleansing and renewing your heart every time that you remember your baptism. Every time that you see or taste or touch or hear or smell water and you think to yourself, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, united with Christ in his death and his resurrection to be born again every day. The Holy Spirit promises to be there nourishing and transforming your life every time you hold out your hand and you receive Jesus' body and blood in with and under the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper. 
The Holy Spirit will blow the breath of faith into your lungs every time that you engage with His Word, written, spoken, sung, formally or informally, through worships and sermons and personal meditation and conversation with other believers about the kingdom of God, which is the world put right, right now, through faith in Jesus. So simple. So sweet, so straightforward, and yet so easy to turn into mindless motions that fail to truly transform us. So I can tell you from experience over the past 25 years that the administration of this place can swallow you whole. You can get so wrapped up in the meetings and in the minutiae of the operations of this 4,000-plus member congregation and 800-plus student school and 135 full and part-time employees that you lose sight of Jesus. Now, I'm sure it won't happen to you. But let me confess before you all that it all went to my head a little bit on more than one occasion when I got a little too big for my britches. And Jesus' words to Nicodemus come also to me, and they are sharp, and they are meant to pull us up short. And Jesus uses the plural we here Maybe referring to the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But one commentator observed that Jesus might actually be parroting Nicodemus' own words back at the beginning of this reading when he came to Jesus saying, we know that you are a teacher sent from God. And Jesus says, truly, truly, we speak and we know. Oh yes, we know a thing or two also, we do. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit has seven and a half billion people that he loves with an incredible, unrepeatable love that transforms our lives. God has this entire universe and the history of the nations under his management all of which he is resolutely directing toward a grand and glorious restoration in which the world will be put right permanently. So here's the way of the cross. Jesus is the one from heaven who has come down to reveal God's unfathomable heavenly love for us by being lifted up. Jesus reaches back into Nicodemus' knowledge of God's mercy and his grace to the people of Israel, led out of slavery in Egypt to the time in the wilderness when they were infested with poisonous snakes, and God had instructed Moses to craft a bronze serpent and to lift it up on a pole and to declare that anyone who would simply look and believe that God could and would rescue them would be saved. Now, every place the word lifted up occurs in John's account of Jesus' ministry. It is always combining the image of Jesus being lifted up on the cross and being exalted, being hailed as king and conqueror. 
to the cross, Reverend Dr. Tig Culbertson. To the cross, people of St. Luke's. Over and over. Here is the direct answer to Nicodemus' question. How can this be? The kingdom of heaven, the world put right, people put right with God, you and me put right with God and with one another and with the whole creation is entered into. The new birth is experienced and eternal life begins only through the saving cross work of Christ received by faith. And so we set our hearts once again on what someone has called keeping the main thing the main thing. Jesus did not come into a neutral world in order to save some good people and to condemn some bad ones. Jesus came into a lost and a dying world to save us. God's purpose establishes our purpose. The mission of Jesus is to bring salvation. Jesus' interview continues beyond where we stopped reading and ends with these words. And you need to remember that Nicodemus came to him in the dark. Jesus said, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Forgiven, born again daily, awakened to the power of life in Christ. The light shines brightly as we step into the next chapter of God's story at St. Luke's. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in this true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.